Welcome back, folks, to the Shootout Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Moskowitz, alongside co-host Julian Dubeck. Hello, Hello, Julian. How's it going? Doing pretty well. How's uh, Atlanta treating you? It's hot. <laughs> That's why they call it Hotlanta. But enough of that. So with the Europa League quarterfinals finishing up today, we are going to give you guys a recap of those fantastic four games that just took place over the course of the past two days. But first, we want to preview and give you our predictions for the Champions League quarterfinals. So, Dubek, let's look at the first game, PSG against Atalanta, happening tomorrow. Give me some matchups that you are looking at that you think will determine this game. Well, I think the first thing to look at with this game is that both teams are dealing with major injuries. We have Mbappe and Verratti and Di Maria that will be missing this game. As for Atalanta, Josip Ilicic, the Atlanta striker, will miss this game due to personal reasons. Di Maria has contributed two goals and four assists for PSG in the Champions League this season. Verratti is the engine of the team, uh, and he'll be missing this game with a hamstring injury. And then obviously Mbappe, the wonder kid, is dealing with an ankle injury that he suffered in the French Cup in July. However, PSG boss Thomas Tuchel said that there is a possibility he comes off the bench late in the match if he is needed. I think Verratti is going to be a huge miss right there because without him, they have to play both Marquinhos and Idrissa Gay in that midfield. And those are two pretty pedestrian midfielders with the ball. They are very good at tackling. They're very good off the ball, very good at defending. But they don't have the same type of distribution ability that Verratti has. So I think between the lines between the getting the ball up from the midfield, the defense to the forwards, getting Neymar in the positions that he wants to be in, it's going to be much harder to do that without Verratti. So I think that could be a huge miss. And for me, the focus has to be on Neymar. I mean, you look back to his time in Barcelona. He left after winning a Champions League, after having so much success, because he wanted to do, he wanted to do this, and he wanted to get to the Champions League final, Champions League semifinal, by himself. He wanted to be the main man without Messi. Right. And he's now given that opportunity without Mbappe, who is like the Robin to his Batman. So if Neymar can single-handedly propel them to, to victory without Mbappe and Di Maria, I think it, it ingrains his legacy within the PSG support. I think it does a lot for that legacy. And I think it justifies, especially if they get past Leipzig or Atletico in the next round, in the semifinals, if they get to the finals, I think it justifies him leaving Barcelona. So I think Neymar has a ton riding on this game. And you look at Atalanta, you say, who's going to do it for them, especially without Josep Ilicic? You say Alejandro Gomez, Papu Gomez. He has to be the engine that drives that attack. He has to create the chances that he's been doing all season, especially against a pretty solid defense with Thiago Silva and Presnel Kimpembe. So I think this is a pretty interesting game. I think both teams are pretty evenly matched. Both teams score goals for fun. Atalanta scored 98 goals in Serie A this season, which was by far the most in their division. PSG are so far superior in Liga 1. 
and they've scored a lot of goals in the Champions League. Obviously, they're missing Cavani. They're missing Di Maria, Mbappe, but they still have Neymar. So this game should be a fun watch, and I think the game will rest on Neymar's shoulders. Personally, I think PSG are in some serious danger here. Without Di Maria, Verratti, and Mbappe, I feel like they lose their identity as a creative offensive powerhouse. I don't see them scoring more than two goals in this game. And if we're being honest, I see Atalanta moving forward in a 1-1 penalty kick win. I disagree with you. I think PSG are going to get it done. I think they already cleared that hurdle by getting past Borussia Dortmund, learning how to grind games out. And I think the individual quality of Neymar is so far superior to anything that Atalanta has to offer. I mean, Atalanta, it's not like they have an elite defense. They have a bunch of no-names in defense especially on the wings. They like to play that 5-2, so hopefully they'll get that wing back, the cover that he needs. But if they leave Neymar isolated on one of their defenders, especially given the form that Neymar's in right now, he's going to make them pay. And I see him definitely scoring one. And then you look at Mara Icardi, who's a very good striker, too. I do think PSG have enough in defense, especially given that they're starting Marquinhos and Adrissa Gay. I think they'll be very solid, compact in defense have that stability, and I think Neymar will create that moment of magic that we've come to expect from him that we really want to see. And I think ultimately PSG will progress. I'm going to say 2-1. to one. But I do think it'll be a close game. I think there's not much to separate the team except for the world-class ability of, of Neymar. Atalanta plus 250 to advance. I think uh, you want to go into the betting odds. If you're looking at the, at the four-game slate of the Champions League this week, I think Atalanta is not a bad bet for an underdog team to win this week. So from that game, we are now going to cover. First of all, I love the way that they have one game on each day right. spread out over four days. It really creates that hype for each game. And people don't have to pick and choose between which game they want to watch. So I think it's great. I think it's great for soccer. I think it's great for the competition and great for the fans. And so we have on Thursday. RB Leipzig against Atletico Madrid. So, Dubek, tell me what you think is going to happen in that game. I mean, this is, this is interesting. This is something we've never seen before with the coronavirus. No Timo Werner, who basically carried this Leipzig team this far in the Champions League. Uh, his contract expired in July, so he's off with Chelsea now. So... Leipzig is, they're going to have to rely on their other players to try to advance past this very solid Atletico Madrid side. Leipzig's really good uh, midfield led by Conrad Leimer uh, and Marcel Sabitzer. Those guys are going to really need to step up in the wake of Timo Werner not being there. Yusuf Poulsen stepping in for Werner in that number nine role. He's going to need to bag some goals. And, and I think this has the making of a very defensive matchup because Leipzig are solid defensively. They most likely will dominate the ball. They have pace in defense with Dayo Upamecano, who's been linked to a number of Premier League squads. And Atletico, as has been their style for the past eight years since Diego Simeone has taken over, they love to play without the ball. They like to defend compactly and break, break on the counter. So I think this will be an interesting game. I think without Werner, Leipzig will lack that, that quality and attack. 
that was obviously provided by Werner. So in my opinion, I think Atletico will win. But their victory is definitely complicated by the fact that two of their players, two players who play a semi-significant role, they're not their main players, they're not their top players, but Angel Correa started their last Champions League game against Liverpool. Sammy Versalco is their backup right back, who also played 30 minutes against Liverpool. So you look at both of those players and you say they're missing some serious depth and it could affect their psyche going into this game. But Atletico have looked much better since the break. They finally found that scoring touch. The emergence of Marcos Llorente, who came over from Real Madrid in the summer as a center midfielder, but Diego Simeone has played him as that second striker. And he has really done a good job. He scored a fair amount of goals since the restart, provided that support for Diego Costa and Alvaro Morata up top. And Leipzig, they're going to be rusty. They haven't played in a month and a half. The Bundesliga season ended really early. So I think Atletico Madrid, given the way that they finished the La Liga season, they finished very strong. They've had a nice two, three weeks to rest. And Leipzig don't have Timo Werner. So I have Atletico winning 2-1. That's the final score for me. I have Atletico. I'll take them 2-0 in this one. I think they, they advance to the next round. Okay, for, so from Atletico, the third-place team in La Liga, we are now going to focus on Barcelona against the favorites to win the Champions League, in my opinion. I think they're tied with Man City, Bayern Munich. And this is a match that we are both really looking forward to. So give me your impressions of this game, Dubek. Well... We have a Bayern side that absolutely flew by Chelsea, advancing 7-1 on aggregate. Like we said, this was an Arsenal-type destruction. It was. It was. They, I mean, from the very start of the game, it was constant attack from Bayern, from, from all sides. 3-0 the first game, and then 4-1 the second game. Two incredible all-around performances from Bayern. They look very strong going into this Barca game. I mean, it's safe to say Barcelona has their hands full with the Bayern side that attacks from all angles. Yeah, I think Bayern are going to roll over Barcelona. You look at Bayern, you look at the stability, the quality that they have at each level. You look at their defense. They have an extreme amount of pace. Alfonso Davis has been a revelation at left back for Bayern Munich, allowing David Alaba to slide into that left center back position and played extremely well. Their midfield is world-class with Thiago, Leon Goretzka, and Joshua Kimmich. And then up top, Lewandowski scores goals for fun. 53 goals in 44 games in all competitions this season. It's unreal. Probably been the best player in the world. He probably would have won the Ballon d'Or. Right. And then they have Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller, and Kingsley Coleman, or... Ivan Perisic, who bagged the goal against Chelsea. So this Bayern team is absolutely loaded. Listen, you can never discount Barcelona with Messi. And Messi showed that against Napoli because Napoli, in my opinion, were the better team. They had more shots, more shots on goal, had more possession, and created more chances. But Barcelona have Lionel Messi, and he scored an absolute wonder goal to take the take the wind out of Napoli's sails. Obviously, he, he created the penalty that, Leo, that Luis Suarez converted. And he single-handedly 
propelled them to that victory over Napoli. So Messi could could manifest some magic. Should he could come up with something incredible, especially given that it's a one-legged tie. But Bayern have looked unstoppable since the restart. They've won 19 consecutive games. Like I've said, they're loaded at every position. Manuel Neuer, the Bayern goalie, looks back to his best. I think, although it's tough to say, like, Barcelona have no chance, but it seems to be a foregone conclusion that Bayern are going to move on to the next round and face the winner of Man City versus Lyon. And I have to say, we have to take your predictions with a grain of salt. Oh, wow. Uh, It wasn't quite the Barcelona crumble that you predicted. Um, I think they looked... They looked decent. Um, they like, didn't look good, they, especially what? in the second half. Napoli looked, should have converted at least one or two of those chances. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, they and came Kuli out. And had a had a dreadful game. They I don't know out. who the hell is going to pay 90 million pounds for Koulibaly. He didn't look like a 90 million pound player against Barcelona. I'll tell you that. Right. And he's 29. But I got that one wrong. I will admit it. I underestimated Lionel Messi. And how great he is. I think you thought that Napoli were going to come out a lot stronger than they did. Is that safe to say? I think they played relatively well. Like I said, they had more shots, more shots on goal, and more possession. But I underestimated Messi. I really did. That, that's the conclusion that I took away from that game. They're definitely, I mean, Barcelona's definitely going to need Messi magic in this one. I think they have a move in a little more centrally, um, try to try to bend in some goals from there. But, um, you know, one thing with Messi that I've noticed is he doesn't really show up in the big games, not like Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't think he necessarily can be relied on in this one. I have Bayern winning 3-1. I like that scoreline. I like 3-1 too. But... You look at Messi, and I know the whole knock on him is that he doesn't show up in big games, but he's won the Champions League, I think, three times now. He scored two great goals against Liverpool in the semifinal first leg, was kind of missing in action for that second leg. But I think what will help Barcelona a little bit is that they'll have Sergio Busquets and Arturo Vidal back, so they'll have more in midfield, especially with Sergio Busquets. And hopefully Busquets can take Muller out of the game to an extent. But Lewandowski looks like a man on a mission. And I think Bayern simply have too much pace out wide. I really do. I think Barcelona are kind of an old, slow team at this point, And Bayern have Premier League pace. They and, do at every position. And just unbelievable quality all around that too that too at every position there's no weakness in this in this Bayern side the only weakness that I would point to would be Jerome Boateng who two years two years prior you'd say was the the stud of the Bayern team it's I mean he's really good on the ball and he's good in possession but as we famously saw at the camp now when Barcelona went up against Bayern and Messi got matched up one-on-one against him it's the famous fall put it between his legs, magged him, and Boateng fell. And Boateng has lost some pace since then. <laughs> Maybe so, some confidence as well. Exactly, and some confidence. And the right side is not as good 
But the problem is the right, the right back side, Nelson Semedo is not as strong as Jordi Alba. So really Barcelona would prefer Bayern's right side, their right mid and their right back in Benjamin Pavard to be better. But most of Bayern's attacks stem from that left side with Perisic and Alfonso Davis overlapping. And I can't see Nelson Semedo being able to stick with Alfonso Davies. So that could be one area of the pitch to really look at and say, Barcelona are going to have some serious troubles there. So from that game, we are going to go to who we believe will face Bayern in the next round, either Man City or Lyon. And this game on paper, the, first, the second place team in the Premier League against the seventh place team in Ligue 1, I mean, this, this game looks like a no-brainer on paper. But we both believe that this game will be tougher than expected. Lyon are good at sitting back. They're going to definitely wait for Man City to come to them. Real Madrid kind of played into their hands in the last one. They played as a very open game. They let the wings of Man City run through. Sterling uh, was a big factor in that one. I believe he started the scoring off. Um, yes, he did, yeah. So, so Lyon will look to neutralize this pace on the wings by sitting back. I think the two men of the match for Man City were Kevin De Bruyne and Kyle Walker. And Kyle Walker was afforded so much space on the right, given that, like you noted, Real Madrid decided to play very attack-minded with Rodrigo, Benzema, and Hazard all starting together, and not a super physical midfield behind them. So Lyon sitting back in that compact 5-3-2, it's going to make it tough for Man City. And we've seen Man City struggle against teams that have sat back. The best example is Arsenal in the FA Cup semifinal. Arsenal were compact. They sat back. They let Man City play with the ball, let them have long shots, and attacked at pace with Aubameyang on the counter. And it worked. And then we saw earlier in this year, given that Manchester United employed a similar strategy and they've beaten Man City three out of four games that they've played. I mean, it's a clear recipe for success against Man City. Or it is, it's the only recipe for success against Man City. Because any team that tries to play their style and tries to play open gets exposed by the likes of Sterling and De Bruyne. So I think it will come down to whether De Bruyne can conjure up a moment of magic. And I believe he will, because he's that good. His yeah. recent form has been insane. I think he created nine chances against Real Madrid, which is yeah. astonishing. So yeah. I think De Bruyne will step up to the challenge. I think he'll ultimately provide that bit of magic that they're going to need to unlock this really sturdy, really tough Lyon defense. But... At the same time, Man City are going to need to be wary of Lyon on the counterattack because Memphis, De Memphis Depay scored against Juventus. The former Manchester United man, he has tons of pace, a lot of quality. Bruno Guimaraes looks like a star in the making in center midfield. Hussam Awar is a really good young prospect. And Moussa Dembele has been linked with a bunch of big European clubs. So Lyon have pace. They have young talent in attack. And if Man City aren't careful... They could be exploited. So this is a really interesting matchup to me. Even though most people think it's a foregone conclusion, I think Man City will ultimately pull out the victory. 
But I think it will be determined by who gets that first goal. I really do. Man City don't lose if they get that first goal. I can't think of any time that they've lost by relinquishing a lead because they just possess the ball. They pass it around until the other team is forced to come out and attack them. They get out of position, out of shape, and Man City completely exploit them. But when Man City go down, they start to press. They push more and more numbers higher and gives the opposition the ability to get that second crucial goal, as we saw with Arsenal. So this is a really interesting game to me, especially given that it's only one leg. Winner take all to go to the semifinals, where Man City haven't been for a really long time. There's a lot riding on this game, and I think it's, it's definitely got more intrigue than people are giving it credit for. Right. I agree with you. I think Man City come away with the win here, but I think this game's going to expose Man City's weakness, which is their height. Without an open game, they can't use their pace, and they're not nearly as dangerous. They don't really have a legitimate aerial presence, so if this game turns into one of City's wingbacks whipping in balls, I don't see them getting on the end of very many of them. If this turns out to be like an FA Cup performance versus Arsenal semifinals, I think they're going to have to build up through the middle, maybe some KDB magic, maybe some like intricate passes with Jesus. I think they break them down twice, City advance 2-1. I couldn't agree with you more. So from one European competition in the Champions League, we are going to go to the secondary European competition, the Europa League. But there were some really good games in the quarterfinals that just commenced today. Probably the most intriguing game was Wolverhampton Wanderers against Sevilla. So, Julian, give me your thoughts on this game. We talked about Wolves and about how disappointing they've been this season. Um, High expectations definitely going in. So we would have thought that they'd come out with a strong performance. Maybe, you know, go for the, go for the championship with the Europa League. Um, but we had Raul Jimenez taking a very poor penalty kick that was saved very early on in the match. And then the game remained 0-0 with Sevilla constantly knocking on Wolves' door with shots outside the box, free kicks, and whipping and crosses, um, which eventually broke them down in the 87th minute. Quick corner by Sevilla, um, played into Ever Benega, who whipped in a cross and found Lucas Ocampos for an incredible header, putting the ball past Rui Patricio. The game ended 1-0. I expected more out of Wolves. I mean, like I've said before, this team kind of had a heartbreaking end to the season. They went all the way down. They went from being in contention for that Champions League spot, the fourth spot in the Premier League, to being leapfrogged by Tottenham on the final day and finishing in seventh. And then Arsenal win the FA Cup. So they're denied a Europa League place next season. And their only route to playing in Europe next season would have been winning this competition. And they simply didn't show up. They had one bright moment produced by Adama Traore, their main man, where he won a penalty. And Raul Jimenez completely botched it, which was really surprising considering he had made the previous six penalties that he had taken this season. So I was surprised that Wolves came out so flat, but they're a tired bunch. They've been playing for 13 months. 
They started the Europa League last July. They used the fewest amount of players of any Premier League squad in the Premier League, in the actual Premier League action. So this is a squad that hasn't been rotated that much and has had a notoriously long season. So you can cut them some slack knowing that. But Sevilla were clearly the better team. That Argentinian duo of Ever Benega and Lucas Ocampos, it's dangerous. And Manchester United are going to have to be very wary of those two players. And like I highlighted before, Sevilla has a really good center-back tandem with Diego Carlos and the 21-year-old French guy. I'm forgetting his name. Gilles something. Gilles something. And then they have a really good left back. Guy who's on loan from Real Madrid in Jose Reguillon. Or Reguillon. I think it's Reguillon. Reguillon. That's what I heard on the broadcast today. <laughs> but Manchester United, they're going to need to be wary. They're going to need to be on their A game. They're going to need to play much better than in their game against Copenhagen, where they eked out a 1-0 victory. And some takeaways from that game, for me, I mean, it starts and ends with Marcus Rashford, a guy who's been hailed all around the world for his work off the pitch. He needs to get back to producing on the pitch because ever since the restart, He's been subpar. He's had one good game against Crystal Palace. And outside of that, he has not been very good. And I expected much better of him considering they had two weeks of rest between the end of the Premier League season. He didn't play against Lask. So he had two weeks of rest. He should have been better. And he turned the ball over a lot. He didn't track back on defense. Looked pretty tired. I wasn't pleased with what I saw from Rashford. And I think... That will be the key matchup against Sevilla. Him against Jesus Navas, who's a converted winger, played as a winger for Man City, and he's not as naturally gifted in defense. He's 34 years old, Jesus Navas. So Rashford needs to get at, at that guy, at their, Sevilla's right back. That's a key matchup that could determine this game. And Rashford simply needs to be better. And then you look at his strike partner, Anthony Martial, the dude's a fucking beast. He looks like he's com- turned a complete corner. I mean, you texted me during the game that he looked like the next coming of Pele. <laughs> right. That's a little extreme. But he does look like a proper number nine. He looks like a guy that Manchester United can build their attack around. So I'm very enthused by what I saw from Anthony Martial running at that Copenhagen defense. And the only thing that was missing was the finishing touch with a goal. But he played really well. The rest of the squad did not play as well. You say that everyone else was trash. I'm not sure about that. But Paul Pogba did not boss the game around like we expected. Mason Greenwood hit the post. Bruno Fernandez missed. He misplaced way too many passes. I mean, the dude is automatic from the penalty spot, which is a great thing, considering that Manchester United draws so many freaking penalties. But he misplaces so many passes. He turns the ball over way too much. Right. Nemanja Matic is a boss. Terrible. Matic came on late in this game. I think towards the 70th minute, 
and yeah, you, probably turned in one of the worst performances on the side. <laughs> My man was on the field for 40 minutes. I mean, the, again, that, that extension makes no sense to me. Um, a sub that I was really happy with was Juan Mata, who had a very positive impact on this game. And I think he just highlights the need for another creative attacking-minded midfielder that can generate chances for United. When Fernandez can't, can't generate these chances, there needs to be someone else that United can rely on. Also something that I found with this game, or, or since the restart, is that Manchester United do not control the ball well. It's, it's a weakness for us. Anytime there's an attacking movement, there's momentum going forward, it's squandered by terrible touches. <laughs> Starting from the back, Maguire, Bailly, Wambasaka. Like, who, who has good touches on this team? It's Fernandez, Pogba, and Martial. Everyone else seems to have just be so uncomfortable with the ball at their feet. I really think it's a true weakness for this team. I mean, Nemanja Matic, he came on as a substitute. The weather was extremely hot. Copenhagen looked fucking dead after running in circles, defending Manchester United the entire game. And Matic still looked extremely slow. Right. He still was way off the pace. I mean, this guy Rasmus Falk made, you know, Matic made him look like he was uh, fucking Ryan Sterling with this pace. Well, he had so, one, of the, one of the coolest skills I think I've ever seen. That was pretty dope. It was, and that was Copenhagen's best chance of the game, too. Right. They should have scored. Yes, but Manchester United should have scored more than one. The goalie turned in a man-of-the-match type performance. Yeah, he was solid. Made 13 true. saves, and United hit the bar. I think they hit the crossbar twice, had a goal disallowed for offsides. United were unlucky to not get at least two or three goals, but they need to be more clinical, and Copenhagen probably should have had one themselves. I wasn't completely convinced by what I saw for Man United, and they're going to really need to step up their game against a Sevilla team that's in form, is really comfortable with the ball at their feet, and has the quality to punish them and attack. I mean, United could definitely be out of this competition if they don't step it up against Sevilla, especially given that Sevilla have been the best team in, Euro in the Europa League's history. They've won it more times than any other team. Won it five times. I mean, the fact that they've won the Europa League so many times shows that they're in between that Champions League level. It's kind of sad that they've won the Europa League so many times, but it also shows that they perform in this competition. And they're going to be really tough out, especially given Manchester United, two years ago, they were knocked out of the Champions League in the round of 16 by Sevilla under Jose Mourinho, or with Jose Mourinho at Manchester United, uh, at the helm of Manchester United. So this could be a revenge-type game, especially for a guy like Pogba, who really didn't play well in, in that round of 16 tie. So I think that's going to be a really fun game to look forward to. And, you know, for Manchester United, let's look at the other perceived favorites in the Europa League, Inter Milan, who had a pretty tough matchup against a solid Bundesliga team in Bayer Leverkusen. So what were your general impressions from that game, Dubek? Lukaku continues to lead this team. He's been a focal point for Inter Milan. Yeah. Just great physicality for him. The hold-up play, he's been good getting in behind. Solid Inter performance. 
and we expect them to go to the finals, as we talked about. Um, and they're definitely the favorites against Shakhtar. Inter were impressive. I wasn't completely convinced after their round of 16 performance against Getaf. I really wasn't. I mean, they gave up a lot of good chances to Getaf and against Bayer Leverkusen, they really tightened it up. They didn't rely on Handanovic as much. They only allowed two shots on target. So it was a much better performance from Inter Milan, much more re- well-rounded. And Lukaku and Lotaro Martinez were both exceptional again. Lukaku, that strength. And abs- like actually being able to possess the ball. Uh, a skill he didn't really show at Manchester United. It was surprising. And then you look at the quality that Inter have in midfield too with Nicola Barella scoring a goal. Marcelo Brozovic, the Croatian, uh, kind of bossing around that midfield, not letting, letting Kai Havertz get too comfortable. And Inter Milan, they let Bayer have the ball. They, they let Leverkusen possess most of the ball. They sat back. They countered, and they did extremely effectively considering they outshot Bayer Leverkusen by a wide margin created way more clear-cut scoring opportunities. And it was a really good day for Inter Milan. And they clearly have the upper hand against Shakhtar Donetsk, even though Shakhtar also turned in a pretty impressive performance today against Basel. You look at those Brazilians, which I highlighted in our Europa League preview and predictions. You know, four Brazilians, they each scored one goal for Shakhtar in their... 4-1 victory over Basel. I mean, this was expected given Basel are not that strong of a side. Shakhtar competed extremely hard in the Champions League against Man City and Atalanta. They ran away with that Ukrainian Premier League division. So this was kind of expected, but they didn't style. Scoring four, four goals, all very good goals. The young Dodo. He's been showing some promise, the 21-year-old Brazilian. He's, he bagged the goal against Basel. So this Shakhtar team could cause some problems for Inter Milan, given that they have some quality up front. Don't think they defend well enough, especially against the physicality and pace of Lukaku and Lotaro Martinez. But they'll give Inter a run for their money. And I have a feeling that this will be a very high-scoring occasion in the semifinals. Definitely looking forward to that one. Basel, obviously, very different team than Inter Milan. I think you're going from the worst team left in the Europa League to probably top tier, one of the best. So I expect Inter Milan move forward and advance with that one. So that is it for our Champions League quarterfinal preview and predictions and our Europa League recap. We will be back very soon to break down and give our predictions for the Europa League semifinals and the Champions League semifinals while also breaking down the Champions League quarterfinals. So given that this is a super hectic time with soccer, so much going on, the two premier European competitions, we are as excited as you are. Uh, We will see you very soon.